Hey, how you doing? I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. It is the 23rd of December, day 23 of Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar. 24 daily podcasts to take you right up to Christmas as I look to see if it is possible for me to ever love Christmas again like I did back in my younger days. The 23rd. Any day from the 20th to the 24th of December was extra special. The denouement of the countdown was fast approaching. Everything felt different, looked different. Schools had broken up. You'd be out with your childhood friends who went to other schools. TV looked different. There were no filler programs. Every year you seemed to see something that would live long in the memory. Yesterday I spoke about the 22nd of December 1989, one of the most memorable days I ever had in any run-up to Christmas. One beautiful Christmas countdown day I shared with my family was actually exactly 30 years ago today, the 23rd of December 1984. One of my best friends at that time, Lee Riley, an Irish kid, his dad was a publican and they moved around a number of bars in the Clapham area, which was... uh, which was great for me and my sister, because back in those days with the licensing hours, you had afternoon closing times and pubs would close between three and six, I think it was. So we'd go around to Lee's and his dad's pub, the Oxford Arms, just off Clapham High Street uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. And we'd be playing in the actual pub itself, running around. Great fun. Lee and I used to play football a lot on the roof of the Oxford Arms and we always seemed to be putting in the windows on the toilets. Years later, the night uh, that my family found out what had actually happened to my dad when he went missing, I took a long walk up on my own through Clapham after midnight and actually walked past Lee's old pub by then some ridiculously swanky pub and ended up seeing one of the worst fights I've ever seen breaking out in the queue of that bar. That was uh, very weird seeing that. Lee had left St. Mary's in the summer of 81, which I was very sad about. He was uh, a much maligned figure at school. He was awkward, frustrating, a terrible footballer, and his, uh, his accent marked him out. But I liked the fact he didn't really care what other people thought about him. We were close. Losing him, in a way, was preparation for losing David Caruso, I suppose, a decade and a half later when the redhead star quit NYPD Blue and temporarily wrecked his career. Lee, though, returned to St. Mary's in the spring of 83. His dad took on a new pub, the Royal Oak in Clapham North, one of the few pubs in the area to still retain its original name. And my sister and I would go around there regularly and sleep over too. I never quite believed that Lee was back. It was one of the most memorable things of my childhood. It was really strange, but a welcome experience to have him return to school. Christmas 84, the 23rd, that was a Sunday. When the pub closed for the afternoon, Lee's parents held a kids' party there. My mum took us along. It was only about five minutes from Mayflower. The day itself had already been brilliant up to that point. That morning, my mum had taken us to East Street Market in uh, South London and finally after nearly two years of searching I'd found a Han Solo action doll Star Wars figure. A classmate had lost mine which I never understood because I never lost people's things if I borrowed anything and I'd become obsessed with replacing this Han Solo and after two years of looking I'd finally managed it. The thing I remember about pubs back then was that Walker's crisps were very much a pub specific crisp. Golden Wonder ruled the UK crisp market back then, just as Liverpool held sway in domestic football in the 80s. I remember running around a lot that afternoon. 
My mum picked us up. I don't know where my dad was. We never really went out as a family unit. We never had a babysitter. My mum did everything for us. I think she enjoyed that, but it probably wasn't fair on her. I remember the journey home, the walk back. Nothing specific about it. I can just picture that walk back on that Sunday evening, the feeling I had. I felt very Christmassy. We got home just after six and... uh, My sister and I immediately tuned into Radio 1 for the Top 40 charts, the Christmas charts, obviously, that weekend. I was never a Radio 1 listener, except on a Sunday evening for the charts. And the Christmas charts that year for me were the most memorable that I personally can ever recall. The Top 5, The Power of Love, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, at number 5, one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. I never liked any of their other stuff, but that song deserved to be a Christmas number 1. At four, Like a Virgin, Madonna. I was a huge fan of Madonna up until the late 80s, but I wasn't a big fan of this particular song. At three, Paul McCartney's Frog Chorus. I loved this song, even now. Even now. It is a weird song, but I do not have a bad word to say about it. Maybe it helps that I never cared too much for the Beatles, so I was never upset at seeing... Paul McCartney reduced to this, if that's how it might have been perceived by his fans. At two, last Christmas, wham, guilty as charged. I still feel more than warmly about this song. I did tell you my musical tastes in the 80s were never great. And at one, of course, Band-Aid, the original version. After that, we went across the road to our original landlords at Mayflower. Our friends were having a gathering at number 41, They would leave the following September for Spain and we would always miss them. Mayflower always felt empty without them and we were there for another 15 years and it really never felt the same after they'd gone. Their mum was my mum's best friend. We were close to their kids. That evening capped one of the most complete Christmas days I've ever had. Whatever happened, whatever went on to happen. I had these Christmases When I want to, I can just reach into my heart and they are still there, as I'm sure they are for you. Every day I open a door to my advent calendar. If you're listening to this on iTunes, then visit holdfastnetwork.com where you'll be able to see the pictures behind the doors each day. Behind today's door is Mr. Frosty, the most disappointing toy I ever came across. And Mr. Frosty arrived at Mayflower maybe around 83 or 84. Thing is, Mr. Frosty wasn't for me, and that's why I felt so guilty about his arrival. I used my influence as the older sibling to persuade my sister to ask Father Christmas for Mr. Frosty. I was hung up on the slush puppies that had exploded on the scene in the halcyon summer of 80. For 16p, my sister and I were introduced to a drink that even despite the sporadic brain freezes, we kept coming back for more. Slowly, they began to disappear from local shops, though. Indeed, between 86 and 91, I was never able to find a slush puppy machine in Clapham or Stockwell. And believe me, I never stopped looking. I figured probably like so many children of my era that Mr. Frosty could be as good as a slush puppy machine. I couldn't have been more wrong and I suspected that would be the case which is why I never asked for Mr. Frosty myself. 
the advert made it look like you were spoilt for flavours. I was actually more excited about my sister getting Mr Frosty that Christmas, whichever it was, than any present I was going to be getting. I remember her opening it. Inside there were loads of flavours, there were moulds, there were cups in various shapes and sizes to make hundreds of flavoured ice pops. All you needed to do was to crush the ice with the Mr Frosty ice maker. Uh, Mr Frosty was a snowman. You'd put the ice under his hat, you'd turn the handle to crush it and then Mr Frosty dispensed crushed ice from his chest. By the end of Christmas Day, my sister and I, we both realised that Mr Frosty couldn't give us what we weren't already trying at home as a substitute for the slush puppy. Making our own ice poles with moles and squash. That's what Mr Frosty was, nothing more than that. My sister was as crushed as the ice Mr Frosty was dispensing and I felt awful for her. Let's do this for the last time tomorrow. Daniel Ruiz Tyson's Advent Calendar is a Holdfast Network production. Visit holdfastnetwork.com or download the show on iTunes. For more of Daniel's work, visit 1607westegg.wordpress.com and you can follow him on Twitter at 1607westegg.